Hi, I'm Isabel, and welcome to What's Wrong With, a podcast where we talk about problems in different industries. Today, we are going to be talking about sexism and misogyny in the music industry. Of course, this is obviously a very broad topic, so for today's episode, I will specifically be focusing on sexist management in the music industry. Before I get started with this, I want to add a trigger warning because I will be talking about sexual assault, harassment, and rape. So first, let's talk about the difference between sexism and misogyny. It's important that we know the difference between the two because they're often confused. Um, I was definitely guilty of this and I used to use them interchangeably. So first, sexism is prejudice stereotyping or discrimination typically against women on the basis of sex. So an example of this is catcalling. So misogyny is defined as the hatred of contempt for or prejudice against women or girls. So now let me talk about the exact difference between the two. Misogyny is a direct hate of women and sexism is the product of misogyny. Sexism upkeeps misogyny, basically. And misogyny basically enforces the patriarchy and its goal is to keep women at an inferior status in comparison to men. As a result of this misogyny, our institutions have often been made in ways that are often against women or without women in mind, which can result in, of course, harmful behavior towards women or harmful consequences for women, such as sexism, which I will now get into. This can clearly be seen in the music industry with the stories of women such as Britney Spears, Kesha, Taylor Swift, and Drew Dixon, as well as so many other women who have not been able to share their stories of their experiences with sexist management in the music industry. So you just heard Womanizer by Britney Spears, and that's who I will be talking about first. There is a lot of talk about Britney's conservatorship due to the New York Times documentary that was released in February called Framing Britney. I actually watched it myself, and I was shocked at many things besides her conservatorship. First of all, I was shocked at the way that the media was very misogynistic towards her, and I would love to delve into that topic more at some point in time. Um, but I won't be focusing on that today, but it was very disappointing to see that. Um, but what shocked me the most was how her father and other people close to her and her father have taken advantage of this conservatorship. So let's dive into Britney Spears conservatorship. So what is a conservatorship? It's a guardian appointed by a judge to manage the financial affairs or daily life of a person due to mental limitations or old age. So some other important vocab words, um, a conservatee, a conservatee is a person in a conservatorship. So in this case, Brittany is a conservatee and a conservator is the court appointed guardian that manages the conservatee. So the conservator in this case is Jamie Spears, Brittany's father. So let's start with a little bit of a timeline for Brittany's conservatorship. So she was put in a conservatorship in 2008 due to her mental health issues. Um, Her father and her lawyer were named co-conservators for her conservatorship. 
everything seemed to be working fine until about 2019 um you know Britney Spears was releasing music she was she had a Vegas residency however in 2019 um Spears canceled her new Las Vegas residency called Dominion to deal with mental health issues then Spears lawyer who was also co-conservator dropped out of her conservatorship leaving Britney's father Jamie Spears as her sole conservator it is actually unknown as to why Spears's lawyer left the conservatorship, but there was a rumor that at one point that he and Brittany had talked about fighting her conservatorship. So now we're in June 2020, and I'm going to talk about when this conversation of hashtag free Brittany also really picked up speed. So Brittany posted a TikTok wishing everyone a happy Pride Month. And someone commented for her to wear a yellow top if she needed help. And another person commented for her to spin in the next video if she needed help. And sure enough, in the next video that she posted, she did that. This led to many fans being concerned for her mental health. And people, um, like her fans specifically, believe that this might have to do with her being trapped in her conservatorship. So why do people believe that she might be trapped in her conservatorship when it's been working fine for her since 2008? Of course, many fans believe that um, since 2008, Britney has recovered immensely and her mental state has changed to the point where she no longer needs a conservator. People believe that Britney is trapped in her conservatorship because her father, Jamie Spears, makes about 130000 per year taking care of Britney. And this is interesting because before um, Britney's conservatorship, her father was not that involved in her life. In court documents, Britney has said that she is afraid of her own father and she will not perform until he is no longer her conservator. So her situation has improved a tiny bit. So as of November 2020, a third party that manages finances, which is called Bessemer Trust, was named co-conservator along with Jamie Spears. Unfortunately, Brittany is still seeking control over her finances and her own life. I see this as an example of sexism because, first of all, this would never happen to a man. And second of all, Brittany is a very successful woman. And yeah, she has struggled in the past and maybe at one point her conservatorship was necessary, but now she is a much older woman who continues to be successful and make millions of dollars and she doesn't really get to reap any of the benefits of working whereas her father and other people involved in the conservatorship get to make money off of her and i just see this as a way of trying to control a successful woman and the problem with a conservatorship like this is that if if it's not fought, this sets the example for other um, women down the line. It doesn't even have to be women in the music industry or like in the entertainment industry to be in these conservatorships to control their success and take advantage of their success. So not only did Spears experience this conservatorship abuse, but she also experienced becoming famous at a very young age. And this leads into something that's known as like a power imbalance um, between producer and musician. And this is very common among young women and older men in the music industry. 
because um, the music industry is unfortunately very male-dominated. Um, so Britney's producer, um, Max Martin, once said that since Britney's so young, he can control her and just use the voice to make an album that he wants. And this is actually a very common imbalance in the music industry, of course, between an older producer and a young woman. Um, these artists feel powerless in these situations because they want their careers to be successful and they don't want to lose any opportunities. So they simply lose their voice and end up being controlled. And sometimes this can lead to other really unfortunate instances such as um, being taken advantage of in a sexual manner which I'm going to be getting into with this next artist so now I'm going to talk about the story of Kesha so Kesha rose to fame in 2009 when she was featured on Flo Rida's Right Round So after the song was released, Kesha continued to see success in her music, releasing songs such as TikTok, which was one of the best-selling digital singles in history at one point in time. Um, other songs include Your Love Is My Drug and Die Young. In 2014, she sought treatment for bulimia. Later that year, she sued her producer, Dr. Luke, for sexual battery, gender violence, and emotional abuse. In 2016, Kesha also asked that she be released from her label, Kimosabi Records. Unfortunately, a judge denied this request, which led to the beginning of the Free Kesha movement. One unfortunate thing about the story of Kesha is that you probably may have noticed that you don't hear much from her in the media or in terms of her music anymore. This is due to the fact that after her legal battle with Dr. Luke, she continued to make public statements about her battle with Dr. Luke. In 2015, she wore a dress saying, you will never own me. And this was, of course, most likely directed towards Dr. Luke. The really unfortunate part about this is that instead of helping Kesha and helping prevent future stories like Kesha's from occurring, the music industry chose to ignore her and silence her. And of course, Dr. Luke never faced any sort of consequences for his actions. The problem with this is that this continues the pattern of sexism in the music industry and this allows for women to continue to be taken advantage of. And instead of creating an environment where they feel safe to speak up, the music industry has created an environment where women are punished for speaking up. And so lastly, with regards to Kesha, I want to talk about the free Kesha movement. So, of course, like I mentioned, this movement was meant to free her from her record label. Unfortunately, the problem with these types of movements and other ones similar to them, such as the Me Too movement, is that the only thing they really do is bring awareness to the issue. And it is important to bring awareness to the issues. However, that's one piece of the puzzle. It's also important to actually bring change into the industry, especially because so many people that are involved with movements like the Me Too movement have the power and the privilege to bring change, but don't. Instead, they just speak on it. 
I would like to point out that this is a huge problem that comes from men, not only in the music industry, but also in other places. Men often say that they support the movements like Free Kesha, the Free Britney movement, the Me Too movements, for example, and they get applauded for simply just doing that. And what I mean by this is that men in the music industry and other places have the power and privilege to make changes. They can tell their friends to not be sexist, to not be misogynistic, or suggest other changes. And that is something that is seriously lacking in a lot of these movements. They should be the ones asking themselves, how can I bring change? As a result of only talking about the problems and not doing anything or suggesting any change, this just allows the cycle of sexism and misogyny to repeat itself over and over again. So you just heard Love Story by Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift's version, and that's who I'm going to be talking about next. So I'm going to be talking about the conflict between Taylor Swift and Scooter Braun. So on June 30th of 2019, Taylor Swift made a Tumblr post discussing her disappointment of the sale of her previous six albums to Scooter Braun. A man by the name of Scott Borchetta sold her previous six albums to Scooter Braun. Scott Porchetta is the CEO and the founding member of Big Machine Records, which Taylor was signed to for 14 years, until in November of 2018, she signed with Republic Records and Universal Music Group. The reason that Taylor Swift was especially disappointed with this decision is that she has not gotten along well with Scooter Braun and some of his clients in the past, some of his clients including Kanye West and Justin Bieber. The reason this is especially awful is because in her Tumblr post, she said, Anytime Scott Borchetta has heard the words Scooter Braun escape my lips, it was when I was either crying or trying not to. He knew what he was doing. They both did. Controlling a woman who didn't want to be associated with them. In this Tumblr post, she calls out Scooter Braun's client, Kanye West, for organizing a revenge porn music video, which strips her body naked. Taylor has also said that she was not made aware of her music being sold to Scooter Braun until it was publicly announced. I believe that the most unfortunate part about this is that Scott Borchetta knew Swift's feelings towards Scooter Braun, yet he took advantage of her feelings and used them as a way to sort of punish Taylor for leaving Big Machine Records. I see this as an example of sexism because just like Taylor said in her Tumblr post, this is an example of a man trying to control her and also using her emotions against another man to control her and her music. This is a common pattern in the music industry where women are punished for not listening to what their managers or powerful men in charge of them want. In November of 2019, Taylor Swift posted a letter on Twitter saying that she wanted to perform a medley of her hits throughout the decade at the American Music Awards, but Scott Borchetta and Scooter Braun have not allowed that. And they also 
did not allow her to use her old music for a Netflix documentary about her life that was going to be released. In this Twitter post, Taylor also said that the message being sent to me is very clear. Basically, be a good little girl and shut up, or you'll be punished. This is not only a problem for Taylor Swift, but this is a huge pattern in sexist management in the music industry. Unfortunately, many men in power feel like they can control and take advantage of women, and if they don't listen, punish them in various ways, such as with Taylor, how Scott sold her music off. The last person I'm going to be discussing is music producer Drew Dixon. That was My Love Is Your Love by Whitney Houston, but this song was produced by Drew Dixon. Drew Dixon was a music producer who worked for Def Jam Recordings in the late 90s. She worked under Russell Simmons, who she accused of rape and sexual harassment in 2020. Now I'm going to play a clip from an interview that she did with BuzzFeed News about her experience. Come into the office and come into my office. My office, eventually I got an office. And my office was very small. It was like the size of like a small closet. Um, and he would come in my office and shut the door, lock it, and like push me against the wall, expose himself. In this same interview, Dixon also mentioned that Russell Simmons' partner at Def Jams, which was Liar Cohen, had created an environment where she felt completely isolated from anyone and she felt like she could not speak up about anything that she was experiencing. He also said that he wanted nothing to do with any of the women that Simmons had hired and that any time he was around for her or these other women not to be near or in his presence. This is what contributed to Dixon feeling extremely isolated in her workplace. This created an environment for Dixon where she could not come forward because she was already disliked by everyone else except for Russell Simmons. Dixon felt that she couldn't go to the police or tell anyone because she felt that no one would believe her and that she would be blackballed from her job and the music industry. This is a tragic example of a cycle that just continues to repeat itself in the industry, but not only the music industry. Just in life, this is something that women experience. Women are often punished for speaking up, and the people that harm them don't face consequences. Dixon also said that she didn't want to go public because she did not want to feed into negative public perceptions about black men. This is an added pressure that communities of color face when it comes to sexual assault, rape, and harassment. Due to this added pressure of not wanting to perpetuate negative racial stereotypes, many women of color can often feel like their rape or sexual assault experiences should not be reported or talked about. This could be one of the answers as to why when I was doing my research, I noticed that there was a lack of stories about experiences of sexist management in the music industry among women of color. This lack of research is very disappointing, as it is a fact that women of color face sexual assault and rape at higher rates than white women and are also less likely to report. What are some changes that can be made to stop sexist management from happening? The first solution is to have more women working in the music industry. Like I said before, the music industry is a heavily male-dominated field. This leads to a lot of gender power imbalances, such as the ones I mentioned with Kesha and Britney, and their old producers taking advantage of them because they are young and they want to succeed. Two, 
We should create a more comfortable environment to allow survivors to come forward about their experiences, as well as an environment where people who have experienced sexist mismanagement can come forward. A comfortable environment for women to come forward is one where women know that they can come forward and not be punished for their experiences or for speaking up about them, and also one where they are believed. Three, men need to face consequences for their actions. If they don't, Women will not feel safe to come forward, and this cycle of sexism will continue. Four, there should be more support for survivors of sexual assault and rape, as well as those who have experienced sexist mismanagement. There should be support groups that are specific to the music industry that can help women to cope with and discuss their experiences. This will help destigmatize these experiences of sexual assault and rape, as well as sexist mismanagement. It is important to destigmatize these because... This can prevent future sexual assaults and rapes because they know that people will come forward. Five, more public resources should be made available for letting women know where they can seek help and who they can report to. And what I mean by public is that they should be publicly posted and they should be known, known widely and easily accept, accessible. Six, men also need to do a better job of understanding the sexism and misogyny that women face sometimes daily. Men who aren't sexist or misogynistic need to speak up because if they aren't speaking up about these issues, they're just as bad. 7. More research should be done on sexist mismanagement in the music industry and its effect on women of color and LGBTQ plus women. Why is this an important thing to talk about? I believe that this is a very important issue because many women face sexist management, not only in the music industry, but other industries as well. The reason I chose to focus specifically on the music industry is because it has some of the most famous examples of sexist management that other people can also look into. Lastly, I also believe that if we fix the problem in the music industry, it will set a precedent and help fix it in other industries. Alright, so that was my analysis of sexist management in the music industry. Um, thank you for listening, and I hope this was insightful. Also, all of my sources have been linked in my script.